day, and welcome to Healing in the Afterlife. This is a show about coming to a place of peace and healing after loss. I am Deborah Brown, and it is my honor and privilege to be co-hosting the show with Benjamin Allen, my friend, a brilliant writer, a gifted speaker, and an amazing human being. Hi, Deborah. Hey, good day. Hi. How are you today? Doing well. I love yeah, that. I, like I love that music. I think that music is um, <laughs> is is shall we say soulful? I hope it's not sad. We don't want it to be sad, right? We want it to be soulful. I think it's I think it's wonderful. I think it's it's nice and gentle and uh, and it, it's uh, open enough for people to have their own interpretation. And that's usually the best best kind of music to let people feel what they need to feel. I think that's the best thing I've heard today because I had never thought of that before, and that really is what I hope, you know, any of what we're doing is let people take away what feels right for them. And, right. you know, it's it's all personal, right? The, the concept of loss, the concept of being with other people when we have trauma or disaster in our lives. <laughs> um, right. So... Um, yeah, thank you for saying that because I, I chose that music mm. and I, I like it, but uh, I think other people will have reactions to it that are their own, and I forgot that. So thanks. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, that's what we're here to do is to give people space to be able to feel what they need to feel, interpret what they need to interpret, experience what they need to experience. And I, I think we do that, Deborah, by sharing our own experiences and sharing uh, where that common ground of what loss is and what life is and living in loss. And so it's uh, it's when we share ourselves as when we get to touch another and be touched by another. You are so right. And I, I have to tell you how much I appreciate your willingness to go so deeply, um, having experienced the kind of loss you did with, you know, wife and, and two children leaving this world way too early. And uh, thank you for writing the book you wrote about that. And today, what I kind of would like to talk about is something else that you've put together for people, and that is five things to do when loss first happens. And I have put a link, before we start talking about this, I have put a link um, to that article that's on your website, which is theafterloss.com, and people can actually go and um, opt in, scroll down mm-hmm. a little bit and opt in to get this article, and it's going to be very helpful. But we will amplify some of what's in this today through our discussion. So let me just kind of tee it up. You wrote it, but I'm going to tee it up. <laughs> and that is that, you know, because, <laughs> you know, I, I can do whatever I want, right? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but what we're talking about is whether the loss is a job, a relationship, a dream, or someone you love, a major shift is going to happen. And and I think, for me, um, I've had all of that. I have lost a job and a relationship and a dream and someone I love. And, and each time it was, uh, you know, a, a different me, frankly, because of personal growth or circumstances came down on me faster in some ways, you know, depending on the... the um, shall we say, the magnitude of the loss. But in every case, you know, you have to have something something to do first. I mean, what do you do first? So tell me about that. 
why why do you why do you think we why am I saying that? Why do you have to feel like you have the first thing? Well, it, you know, yeah, the, and I, I too have had experiences of all of the above: the, the loss of a dream, the loss of a job, the loss of a career, the loss of uh, a home, a loss of uh, loved ones, and they're all different. But there is a a common thread through them all, and that. In my experience, is that it is it is an upheaval, and it is a shift, and it is, it is something that happens, you know, sometimes suddenly, sometimes slowly, but it, it is a movement that that takes away from my equilibrium. So the first thing that I need to do is to sit and and for me and sit in a place of stillness. And one of the things that I write about is do what's right for you. Be true to yourself. And there are other people that need to be active. There are other people that need to be with other people. There are people that need to be alone. And But the, the first thing to do is to acknowledge the loss and to be present for that loss in whatever way feels right for you. Interesting that we started this conversation today about the music. And, and it's really interesting because what I'm going to say now comes back to music, and that is this. Whenever I have had a big loss, I do not want to listen to music at all because mm. I do not want that music to remind me later of that first upheaval, that first shift. So I make sure that I, and it, there have been periods in my life that last as long as a year with no music wow. for that reason. I don't, I don't want to know what the top 40 is. I don't want to know <laughs> the top country song. I don't care because I don't want, does that make, I mean, you know, that's just how I have done it. And yeah. it's interesting how music is maybe going to be a through line for me today, but uh, it's important that I, that I don't have my music messed up. And then I guess I have other ways that I, yeah, other ways that I that I cope. I also um, learned a long time ago that alcohol is never good for me when I'm in upheaval. Uh, I never, ever, ever take a drink. Right. Um, in that in that scenario, I mean, it's not that I haven't had alcohol and don't. It's you know, I'm, I don't mind if other people have it, but if I am in a bad way. I don't touch alcohol. So I've made yeah, decisions I've, about myself, you know, that this is going to work and this is not, so that I can protect myself and my future. You know, that's a very interesting um, uh, way of approaching. And the one thing that, that I picked up on as you were talking about this is that keen sense of self-awareness of, and and to be not overwhelmed by the loss, but very aware of what loss is actually doing and what happens in the midst of that for you. And I, I, uh, I too agree that alcohol and loss and grief is like gasoline on a flame. And any kind of altered state takes the, in an escape, grief can't be escaped. Grief can't be pushed away. And it will come out in one way or another. You know, the, most of the altering states are about, you know, diversion and not feeling. 
and those feelings will be there, you know, and, and they are waiting, and they they have to be dealt with. But and so, but I wanted to come back to what you were talking about the music because that's a very interesting uh, self awareness and what that does for you and how you do experience your initial uh, embrace of loss of, of whatever type it may be and how music and not having that creates uh, a, a healthier space for you. It does. And and it's because it works in the opposite direction equally, I know that music is important to me. For example, um, that song, The Wind Beneath My Wings, um, yeah. has been played for me to honor me for something by a group of people that I coached. I coached seven women for 90 days. And at the end, we did a a ceremony and a, and a, a wonderful weekend retreat in Idlewild. Um, and it was, just, it was just amazing. And they played that song to honor me for the work that I had done with them for that 90-day coaching program. And... See what I'm saying? So, so the wind beneath my wings. When I hear that, I don't have that associated with something bad. I have it associated with something amazingly wonderful. So, I guess that's kind of where my um, my senses work. You know, I, I don't want to have it. I don't want to mess up my songs. <laughs> so. Yeah, you know, and 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 for me, songs are very much like a photograph, like you're saying. And I listen to songs that have a connection for me with with my my loss and uh and what it's it's interesting you say that because I went to speak at a uh, a gathering for uh who's a keynote speaker for uh, a, a donor services of, of family members that had had a, a traumatic loss and and of a family member and chose to honor that family member to help others by uh donating organs. And, and and so I was just going at this last weekend, and I was driving along this beautiful mountain road and listening to a song that Lydia and Matt and I listened to. It just become popular on our last trip together. Uh, we went to the Grand Canyon. We drove. We had a, did a road trip, and I listened to that over and over. And I was listening to this song uh, by Bonnie Raitt, and. Uh, just having this really gentle sense of connection with them and with with the beauty of life. And, you know, there's, there's, it's how we approach loss, you know, and, and for me it, it deepens me and it connects me. And where, you know, what's right for me is would not be right for you. And so it's just it, it's interesting that we're, we're talking about the opposite ends of the spectrum but looking for the same experience of going deeper into our experience. Exactly. And that's, so that's that's a great way to to ca- kind of capsulize what we're saying. Do what's right for you, be true to yourself, and what's true for me is not what's true for you or true to yeah. you, you know. Yeah. And and that's what we have to remember, you know, that there's no right or wrong in how we grieve, how we come to terms, how we accept or cope with or whatever. I mean, there are no rules. There's just some, you know, there, there's some people we can model and say, oh, I, I, I think 
I could do that. You know, that that looks better than what I am doing. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, this is this is all personal. It's very personal. And you know, and you know, Deborah, there's another element. It's more than another uh, common feature. Is how do we respond in those initial stages where I personally needed to be alone? I wanted to reach out to a few people. But I really needed a lot of alone time. And there are people that need to be with others. There's some that want to just have no part of what's going on in in the world around them. There's others that want to take charge, you know, get things done. And it really is grief is about honoring our own personalities and, and what works for us, you know. And it really, too, it challenges us, too, because loss, challenges who we are and what our relationship to life. And sometimes we kick into old habits that are not healthy. Sometimes we can kick into healthy responses, but we we always are coming from a place of, of, in many ways, I know in my experience, it was triaging the moment. What do I do now? What do I do? And sometimes I was just completely immobilized. There was just, you know... Getting out of bed was a victory, you know, and 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 you know, honoring that, accepting that, and and it, and there's no time limit to that. So being true to yourself, for those that are going through loss, is don't live off somebody else's expectation, or some of those subtle expectations that we carry that really aren't ours, and that's what loss does. Is who, who am I? What what is important to me? What is it that is going to get me through this? And to live in honoring that and answering those questions are the first thing is being true to yourself. That's right. That's right, Benjamin. Absolutely. Well, let's move on to the second thing in the five things to do when loss first happens, and that is, and I love this one, do only what is essential. And you refer to that as the economy of energy. And basically what we're talking about is how much do we take on right after the loss occurs and, you know, how how does that work towards our overall, basically, health, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual health. So why don't you Mm -hmm. speak about that? Well, yeah, I'm I'm a... Big believer in the economy of energy is do only what is necessary, only what is essential because, you know, everything is overwhelming. And loss is so depleting. I mean, obviously, I mean, it it goes without saying, but it's just like when it's the loss of a loved one or when there's a loss of a dream and it is about getting simple. And one of the things that I, I say the more complicated my life gets, the more simple I take it. And this is where the economy of energy comes in, of what are my priorities. Like I said just a minute ago, the triage and being careful with that is to do only what is necessary and do only what I can. And I have seen people rise to the occasion, and uh, when when loss first happens, they rise to the occasion and then crash and, and then, you know, difficult to find beyond that, that initial stage because they've depleted themselves so much in just trying to stay afloat. And, you know, they, the the image of, of 
people, uh, someone drowning is that the body will float and rise to the surface if we're still, if we're playing around, that's when people sink. And so in that, that, that flailing and that fighting uh, to stay alive could be doing some serious damage. Exactly. And it could be that some people think that they have to do more because of something going on in their mental space, thinking, you know, I've, I've got to be like Jackie Kennedy was, you know, when JFK mm-hmm. was killed. I, you know, I, or I've seen how my, my family was during whatever, whatever, and everybody was so so stoic, and, you know, I've got to keep it together, and I've got to do this, this, this. Rather than going back to number one, which was be true to yourself, um, maybe some of that spills over and that economy of energy <laughs> would it be such a relief to just say, you know what, this is what I'm doing and this is what I have to do just to keep myself safe. Yeah, and, that, and that's true. And, and the, the, it's so important to give ourselves permission to be uh, in, in doing, being good to ourselves, but also permission to say, I've had enough, I need some time, or I want to be with this person, or I don't want to deal with this, but I'll deal with this. And and instead of being stretched in all different directions, to really find that epicenter. You know, when, when we were in the middle of loss, it was incredibly helpful to have people that weren't in that world, but but I could not function in sync with those people very long, you know, because... I was I was in a different world. I was in that world of the afterlife that has its own time and rhythm, has its own energetic, and and I, I was just so depleted. I needed a lot of alone time and downtime, and so to function in the world around me, I had to economize. Right. Well, I like the way you said it in this ebook that we're talking about that people can get. Um, with the simple uh, opt-in at theafterloss.com. And it's that you say that you simply didn't have the inner resources to major on the minors. I love that. Yeah. I, didn't, yeah. I didn't have the energy. I simply didn't have the inner resources to major on the minors. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's a clever turn of phrase, but it's also very, very, very smart. <laughs> It's like, you know right. what, if it's not important, I'm not thinking about it. Sort of like that book, um, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, It's All Small Stuff. You know, uh-huh. you know you've yeah. got your own uh, your own spin on that. Yeah, and that really is, and once again, this whole thing about the five things is the underlying theme is to give yourself permission just to be who you are and what you need in that moment. And and not live on other people's expectations. Right. And so, yeah. Exactly. Now, the third thing is reach out. You are not alone. And this one is all around isolation. And I would like to remind everyone that you and I talked a lot about isolation versus solitude in a previous discussion, so maybe we'll wrap back around to that, but okay. go ahead and, and refer to the isolation the way you have it in this ebook because um, it's kind of some definitions about why the feeling is so strong. 
Well, yes, and and the the, the reason that you know this this pushing the world away to just to you know being crushed by this this experience and wanting to just be able to breathe, you know, I found was pushing the world away. I needed to be able to breathe, but there was also that sense of it's nice when people are not in in that rhythm of deep loss, but like I mentioned just a minute ago, I was out of sync with them. And so I I felt being alone was, I couldn't live in that, that world anymore, even in the initial stages that we're talking about here. And, and I had to realize that my world had changed and there's this world around me and sometimes the the isolation was because I just didn't fit anymore, and so that's where uh, I found that that it was a concern to step into the isolation where we talked about solitude is a time of replenishing and and a time of of re-energizing in my own being. But the reaching out was very challenging for me. And for other people, it may be that's where they find their sustenance and, and their nurturing is to be with others. And it, I did find that when I reached out to people that knew loss. You know, I, I, when I, I, you could, you just kind of magnetize the people that, of depth that have gone through their own kind of losses. And there's something about that connection that is incredibly healing. But not everybody can be in that space, and so I would, it's about reaching out to safe people, to nurturing people, and for, in my experience, for people that could sit unconditionally in my difficulties and in my pain, and and to not try and fix it, but to just be there, and that was just being there was so healing. And you have also said that most people can't possibly grasp like what it was like for you uh, and, and you would not expect them to. But what you do feel is that they're at least on common ground because they, they too have had some kind of loss. And they are, it's almost like this club that we don't really want to be in, but we kind of have the secret handshake. It's like, okay, I've had loss and I can I can feel the pain, not exactly what you have, but I know well enough, and I can be safe, and I can be a willing ear and open heart and be here for you, even if you don't want me to say a word. Yeah. Yeah, that that is so true. And, it, and to not have the expectation. I didn't have any expectation that, that anyone that I know was kind of going through the same experience that I went through. But I did find people that had dealt with the same dynamic of that pain and that emptiness and that all those feelings of, of that uh, I went through. And to be able to sit with someone and say, how did you do it? And they shared that with me. I just sat recently, just yesterday, with a, a mother of three children who is having one has just been diagnosed with uh, autism, and they they had another child that has Down syndrome, and then had another child, and 
and you know the loss and the the the, the intensity of their lives so much uh, uh she and her husband so much um was mirrored in our lives and Lydia and I and what we were going through is different in many ways but the same and so we sat and we shared the feelings and what we were going through and how I was able to talk to her about this economy of energy the the elements that that brought me through what I needed to go through and it was such a beautiful experience because you know, as you know, one of my favorite phrases is depth, uh, depth, deep. Oh, deep calls to deep, and the depths of and the depths of that kind of connection. You know, although we we don't want to be a part of this club, we are, and and to talk to another and to share and to hear and and to give space for another to share their experiences, and I learned a lot. And and touched a lot of deep places within me as we as we walk through this experience, and uh, you know that's such a gift. So reaching out is also giving another an opportunity to to be a part of our lives in a very tender, fragile moment, and and to find that connection is priceless for both. It is, and you also kind of help the other person create a language for what they're going through. In other words, you often oftentimes refer to the texture of loss or leaning into loss. And when I hear you say those things, it makes me have a new way of framing, if you will, my own reaction to loss, my own thinking about the people and the things that I've lost in the past. You know, so... Mm-hmm. I think that's so important when you can reach out and and frankly teach another person some language that they didn't have. Yeah, it is. It is a sharing when we sh- when we reach out and we find others that interpret their experience in a way that gives us a, another look. And and she did for me the way she was sharing. This is how I'm doing it. This is a, and and it's not a one way street, but it is. It is so important that we, you know we are communal beings and we live in community. The question is how deep is that community and how nurturing and how helpful is that community? But we all have community and we all have that that part of loss. Uh, what really struck me was I was not the only one that was living in loss. And that really hit me. You know, it's in the book about the spreading of the ashes of um, my children on the anniversary of my wife's death. Uh, And I wanted to do that by myself. I just, because Matt and I spread, our our oldest child spread Lydia's ashes together by ourselves. And I wanted to do that. And I thought, it took me a long time to really thinking it through saying that would be such a selfish act. I am not the only one in grief here. So I invited family members to join that process. But if it was, and I realized that grief is not something that is only experienced by one individual and that I needed to open up and to hold and offer a space for others to go through their process through that spreading of the ashes. 
And that was a very, very powerful experience for me because I had the tendency to say, leave me alone, let me deal with this. I want to be alone in my solitude, which I really have to check in to see if it's isolation because that's, that's where damage can take place. But it is a communal, grief is a communal experience, and that's why we have funerals. That's why we have a gathering. And I've really needed to step out of my own uh, way of coping to realize that, that there's more to this than just me. And the other thing that you remind me of, having lost my mother, oh gosh, it's going to be six years now um, in January, but the the whole idea of going to the funeral, I kept thinking, I don't have the strength. I, I, I don't want to do this. I will not be able to get through it. And of course, the fact that my brothers were going to be there, and my, my niece and nephews and and you know, I knew what the setting was going to be. I knew that I was going to get through it, but I didn't want to. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. yeah, but that, that sense of how we, how we will be and, and then how it will all go if we know that we're not alone makes it, makes it doable, more doable. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's another thing about reaching out uh in that those touchstone places of of, of memory or and, and my my interpretation is presence of the ones that I've lost. I feel presence, I feel their presence as I touch memory. And those as you said as using the word texture, those are different textures in and of themselves and different experiences. They're often combined, but not necessarily so. But there's a there is that reaching out to the continued relationship with the ones we love and have lost. That did not stop when when they died. That changed texture. That changed our relationship. But our relationship continues on. And I think that's something that others that uh, think that, that you know everyone has their own spiritual beliefs and understanding and interpretation. But and this is just mine. And again, be true to yourself if anyone's listening here this about this, but my experience is my relationship with the ones that I have loved and lost continues, and they continue to expand and they continue to grow in a different way. They're not frozen in time they're not they're not past tense, they are present tense in a very beautiful and nurturing way. That's beautiful, Benjamin. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. So the, the moving on, let's see. We have done three of them. So now number four is self-care. Be gentle. And, you know... If you're ever going to be aware, like you said earlier about my self-awareness with music and what what I have to do to take care of myself, including not to have alcohol and whatever, um, if you're ever going to be in a place where you've got to become self-aware, after loss is is going to be when it's time to step up and be gentle with yourself. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's so much going on of 
you know, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, all of those elements are in play. And like I said at the beginning, my equilibrium was shattered. My world was shattered. And all of these come into play. And you're talking about the emotional aspects of dealing with guilt, dealing with the what-ifs, dealing with trying to figure something out on that mental plane. Why did this happen? That can be incredibly damaging, but I don't know any individual that does not have to travel through those thoughts and those experiences. Uh, every person that I have dealt with and and worked with and, and experienced life with and, and my own experience, I had to go through if only I had done this or I wish this would have happened. And that's part of the initial stages of, of loss is to try to piece together a shattered life and and that shattered life has some very sharp edges. And the self-care and the gentleness is so important to, to, to experience these questions in the context of self-care, in the context of gentleness, because it, it can do severe damage to oneself and the and the world around them in this and so that's just that's just on a mental and emotional aspect there's so many other elements the the physical loss the lack of being able to touch the ones that I love to hug them and to go into that those initial stages and just wanting just to it, it's an just being in this state of implosion and not knowing where I was going to come out and I just needed to be gentle and to give myself permission, as we talked about earlier, to do what I needed to do. And to, Part of the greatest thing about gentleness and self-care is to not live on anybody's expectations other than our own in the midst of a loss. And to really take care of myself, I needed to get really still, really simple, really an inch my way through the moment. And other people could run, other people could, you know, listen to me saying whatever. I needed to have the stillness and the silence and the, and and just to be able to find my place in solitude was part of my self-care. Other people's self-care, you know, like you knew that the music would not be self-care for you. And and to honor that is is such a a blessing to your own journey and and, and loss. Exactly, exactly. And you, you talk about eating healthy, sleeping, exercising, and that seems so counterintuitive. I'm sure at, for some people, it does actually for me. Um, and frankly, if I had had this conversation in 1980, <laughs> I would have saved myself a um, an almost fatal illness. I actually almost died of spinal meningitis. Um, hmm. And I know for a fact that it's because the reason I got sick in the first place is because I was not eating, sleeping, exercising, doing anything except being miserable because of my divorce. And mm-hmm. I know that my immune system was completely shattered um, because of how I was reacting. There was no element of self-care whatsoever. 
And um, I ended up in the hospital on intravenous penicillin for 15 days, and I was really, really, really sick. Um, Hmm. So interesting that I put it together that way because I know absolutely for a fact that if I had been taking care of myself, um, I would not have gotten that. I just know it. Yeah, and this is a part of the economy of energy is that pacing, and there is a, for for my experience, that physical need to be gentle in that sleep when I need to sleep, but get up out of bed, do something, go somewhere, find structure. I needed structure in order to find the freedom to do my grief instead of being in this immobilized, overwhelmed state. Whether I wanted to get out of the house or not, I got out of the house. Whether I and I, and I met at the initial stages after all three had died, and that was the most devastating time for me. You know, because when one was alive, I when one died, there was one alive that that was I would keep me in that structure. But when I was all alone at the end, I needed to literally put intentionality on structure, or I would have just gone under. And to eat well. And there's a lot of this, and, and the physical is so tied into the emotional and the mental. and so You, you really can't separate them. And in that self-care and gentleness, there's a lot of, of in, in my experience, the guilt, the survival's guilt of not feeling worthy of why am I alive, why did they die, you know, and, and wanting to hurt myself. and And so... Self-care is, for me, the initial truth of that is to to say, yeah, I don't want to be gentle. I don't want self-care. I, I want to hurt. I want to die. I want I want to do damage because, and and I really needed to confront that and say, no, I, I that is not the, where I'm going to go with my life. To honor their lives, I felt I needed to honor mine. Exactly. You're such a good teacher in this. I, I I really hope people are understanding the gift that you are giving because the way you put it, it just makes so much sense. I, I, I have um, a lot of things that you have said that your wife Rachel has put on different images that have gone on Pinterest or Facebook and whatnot of the things that you've said that are so helpful like this, sort of like um, if I get out of bed and take a shower, I've won, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, when, when you're so miserable, you just say, gosh, if I just lay here, you know, for another six weeks, you know, I'll feel better because it'll be, time will have passed and I'll be okay. It doesn't work that way. And no. you're just so, That's... so good about sharing what is more helpful, you know, because you've lived through so much of it. So thank, thank you for you. that. Thank I... you. Thank you, Deborah. I really appreciate that. And it is, I, it is my hope that what I have traveled through can be of service to others and to, to be kind of an experience that they can, can help in, in their time of loss and their time of, of you know, service. We all go through it. And I'm, mine is just one perspective, but I I have taken a lot of time and energy to really watch how healing happens, and and again, I, you know, just because it's, I think it's important to say, healing comes 
for me and not getting over the loss. Healing comes for me with finding peace in the midst of loss because that loss is always going to be there. And that so the these are the elements that can bring me to healing to be able to live in this loss in a peaceful, nurturing, connected way with the ones that I love. So, the thank and you. And that, you're welcome. And and that segues into the last of the five things you can do when loss first happens, which is begin planning for the long haul. And you just said it so beautifully when you said healing comes from finding peace, not getting over the loss. And again, I I mentioned earlier how you've talked about leaning into loss and some of those other things about what you do to honor the people that you've lost, but also yourself. So, you know, you say that loss is, is a marathon, not a sprint. And a lot of us, like I said for myself, I'd love to just go sprinting through it. Um, but it doesn't work that way. <laughs> so so why don't you talk about what do you mean by begin planning for the long haul? Well, it, it is about that, that, that grief and loss for me is a lifetime process. It is not something I get over. And so this idea in the society that we live in, grief is, has a time, <laughs> a time yeah. limit. And, you know, there's it, a past due date on this thing. Okay, you're over this. And yeah, four days and you're out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and this is the and for me, loss is about the reintegration into life in this world of the after loss with the ones that 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 I love and and they are always a part of me. So this long haul is not something that that is not the, you know, in my experience, it's gonna be forever for the rest of my life. And so how do I continue with self-care? How do I continue with the economy of energy? My life is never going to be the same as it was before the loss. And so this is the unfolding of another way of relating to life. And so everything that we've talked about is applicable for the rest of my life. And to to honor myself, like, for instance, listening to that song, going over to to do that speaking engagement, you know, it was so healing, but it brought me once again into that place. And, you know, instead of that hurting me, what that brought to me was a deep sense of gratitude for these wonderful people that I had in my life in a physical form at one time and continue to be a part of my life. And so it was a very nurturing, peaceful time. And that's what I'm talking about Healing, finding peace within the loss is what healing is. And, that, and I feel that I have been in a state of perpetual healing by leaning into it, by finding a rhythm of life that honors the moving in, in on with my life, but not over them. You know, that, that, that there's not an over. There is a continuation of this this dance of the ones that I love in, in every moment that I live. and But I live, and I live on, and I live in the expansion of that love, not in the contraction that, that or a frozen experience in the past. You know, it is not frozen for me. There, there are memories that, that I, I move through 
in my past, but those memories color and 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 brighten the landscape of my present. And so, and and that was a, that driving over was a deep sense of gratitude that once again, the landscape of my life includes the ones I love even to this day. Again, that's so beautiful. And you you also talk about how all roads lead to love one step at a time and how the path that we are on has many footprints Mm. and that those footprints hopefully lead us into healing and we are not alone. Right. And you know what? That that is so true. And it's not just leading us into healing as in healing is the final destination. Healing is the process. Healing in this moment is leaning into the hurt, leaning into the anger, leaning into the guilt, leaning in. Those are healing elements that when I am true to myself and I am authentic with what I am feeling, that's the most important thing to be is authentic. That, even if it's in excruciating pain, that is still a part of my healing. If I just stay in the fluidity, and that, that's probably another conversation for another time, but staying in the fluidity of my authenticity and what I'm feeling in that moment, well, all that's where I say all roads lead to love, all roads lead to healing. It's, it's, and so healing is not a destination point. It's in and of itself an experience on a moment-by-moment basis. Well, I honor your journey I honor my journey. I honor yeah. everyone out there, however they're however they're they're doing it, they're doing it the best they can, but you know what? These five things to do when loss first happens will certainly be a blessing for some people that they they'll pick and choose what they need and and hopefully they'll hear it in time to make a difference. That's all we can hope, right? Absolutely. We're here to to be a part of life and 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 Everyone that touches this, touches the book, or touches the page, or touches the Facebook, or or touches a friend that that, that goes deeper, whatever it is, that's what that's what life's truly about is that connection to a deeper way of life. Absolutely. Well, we've come to the end of another episode, Benjamin. Um, my goodness, we're just having uh, we're just having more and more deep. Um, deep thoughts on it. I keep thinking, wow, what else can we say? And every time, it's just like, wow, that was amazing. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's great. It's, it's Thank you so much. To, it's, a gift, it's a gift to be with you, Deborah, and I really appreciate you guiding us through this. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everyone. I recommend that you get Out of the Ashes, Healing and the After Loss. You can find out more about that at outoftheashesbook.com. You can also find out about it on Benjamin's website, which is theafterloss.com. Thank you and many blessings.